Join the conversation. Local issues that matter in our community. With Uncle Fernando on Bay FM 99.9. Listen to Uncle Fernando on Bay FM 88. <laughs> 99.9. 99.9. That is where you are. It is 21 minutes to 10 on your local station on this Monday morning. And what did you think about what John Anderson had to say? A bit of a character, isn't he? Um, I had one text uh, saying, this guy is making our family all cringe, so negative. What did you think? I'd love to hear from you this morning. We're talking about the upcoming Byron Shire Council election. 0437 341 119 is the text line. You can uh, text through at any time. Please put your name to the text or you can go to the Bay FM Facebook page where I have got a, a post already on this topic this morning. And joining us in the Bay FM studio is Interim Mayor uh, Michael Lyon, who was listening to all that. Thanks for joining us again, Michael. Good morning, Fernando. Uh, look, lots to talk about. The last council meeting where decisions were made uh, last week. There is one more meeting, but no decisions can be made of that. We're in caretaker mode Right now, before we go on to talk about that, we did mention earlier in our news, and everyone's heard by now, the uh, tragedy over the weekend with those uh, four-year-old twin girls. We're sending all our love um, as a station here and as a community uh, to the family. And I I understand you want to say something. Thank you for your words earlier, Fernando. And and I just want to say it has been a, a terribly sad and devastating last 24 hours or so. Uh, for our community and and um, I, you know I know both the parents and I know so many of them um, so many people know them and it's such a tight-knit community and, and we know them and um, and I know how many people are personally affected by this so it's a senseless tragedy and um, all of our hearts are broken and, and my thoughts and, and certainly with um, all of that family um, and uh, I know all of our hearts are with them. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, look, the council election, let's uh, talk about that. There isn't long to go now, only, uh, well, under a month to go. I want to get your reaction to some of the stuff that we heard there from uh, John Anderson. He's a bit of a renegade. Uh, you know him well. He doesn't think much about you. You saw the full-page ad he put in the Echo where he called you a garden-variety political opportunist. What's uh, this all about? He says the council is the worst ever. What's this all about? Are you presiding over the worst council mm. ever? No, I, I don't think so. Um, it's hard to know how to take John sometimes, It's but you do need to um, be respectful. And um, because there are a lot of people out there that, that still, uh, for what he represents in terms of that, you know, accountability and, and um, the idea of the, the, you know, the bad people in government and, and, and holding people to account. So you do have to um, deal with it in a, in a respectful manner. I mean, he's been coming to council most of the past five years and it's been a pretty steady decline that I've noticed. Um, I didn't know him before that. Uh, he started out bad, but there was always a tinge of humour there at the start and... Um, it really got to be a disgusting, abusive, lewd towards uh, one councillor in particular. 
um, and I would suggest narcissistic in the extreme. Um, and I used to tolerate him, but you know, one day he had a real crack at Simon, which was just completely un unjustified and unfounded um, and sort of trying to suggest that he had bad intentions and, and things. And he's done it again in this interview. He's, he's basically, I, th I think he's Im implying corruption, um, but he can't say it. Well, if there is corruption, you can say it. You're perfectly entitled to say it as long as you can prove it um, or even have a, you know, something to go on. And he doesn't have that, um, you know, and he's, it's, it's, you know, his, look, you know, opinions are like everyone's got one, right? So, um, but we have to deal with the things he puts before us. So, um, Does he make any valid points, particularly on staff and the fact that he says they effectively run the show behind the scenes? Well, no, I mean, they don't run the show, but you, you do have to understand that um, council has got 400-odd employees, um, there are a significant amount of senior managers in that that deal with various different things on council. They are employed in their fields of expertise, um, whether it be coastal management or compliance or any range of things to do with water, waste, sewer and finances and the like. Um, and you would be um, foolish not to um, listen to their advice on their range of matters that they deal with. And, and they bring in expert consultants to deal with a whole range of, of, of matters as well. Um, and yes, ultimately, councillors and the mayor together run the show. We set the agenda. We um, set the list of priorities. And where, where necessary, we have a governance role uh, over the general manager. Um, we we can make uh, we when we do make reflections on individual staff members if we think that people need to improve. Um, but ultimately, that that is the role. The way it's set up is that's the general manager's role to run the the, the business. Um, but we have that oversight role, um, and we and we set and we do set the agenda. Now, in my experience, anything that we do, whether they agree or not, they make their effort, best effort, uh, to to undertake that. Now, obviously, everyone. Everyone has an agenda, and that doesn't. And staff aren't alone in that. And there are things that sometimes that uh, they feel aren't required, and they will uh, suggest to you different courses of action mm. than, than where you may be going. But and there are claims not just by John, but by many others that they don't always listen to uh, community feedback. They get community feedback, yeah. and then they still put up you whatever see, the, they want. This, this is where I just completely disagree. I mean, this council, from what I've seen, has been more engaged with its community than any council in the past. And in terms of the level of consultation we do, community engagement we do, we've trialled new forms of, of community engagement with, um, in terms of we, we had a, a new democracy round of looking at how uh, we prioritise our spending. Uh, and we put those reforms into place in terms of where we spent our money uh, in a certain amount of infrastructure budget. So, uh, so that feedback is always listened to, you're saying? Well, it's always listened to. It doesn't mean you always have to agree. I mean, mm. we, we, we get feedback, which is completely a different sides of the story. So you, you can never listen, you can never yeah. listen and, and, and undertake everything that people say to you because... Well, let's talk about the most current example, sure. uh, the, the foreshore and what to do about uh, the main beach and the foreshore there. Tell us a little bit about that because not everyone will be aware of it. There were seven options put out to the public. You got quite a bit of feedback and it was narrowed down to three three options are they the options that people voted for 
more or less. There were two that were that were, and and then one which um, was um, inserted as part of the meeting, which was a change in the recommendation. But it sort of encompassed. Um, Just summarise it for us, Michael. Yeah, well, look, in, in summary, um, the feedback that we received from our community on those options was incorporated into the decision-making and directly influenced um, one or more of those options. Uh, but it, it wasn't a simple shut case of like, oh, option one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and, you know, 60% said one and 30% said two. It was a range of questions across the range of options, so it's, it's a lot more complex than that. Um, and I think that's probably the, the best way to describe John Anderson's commentary is it, it lacks complexity, it lacks perception um, and perspective, uh, and it's not based in, in any kind of real world of what's going on. Okay, well, let's use this as an example. Mm-hmm. So tell us the three options and what people actually said in terms of their feedback. Well, there was there was um, so a range of questions. So 56% of people, yep. p- for instance, voted to remove the car park altogether. Uh, 52% to remove to move back 10 meters, 48% voted to repair what we have, and 29% to remove the groins. Now the 56% voted to remove the car park altogether. That's not one of the three final options at all. Well, no, it is. Uh, one of the options is to uh, retreat landward by 30 meters. If you retreat landward for, by 30 meters, you lose the entire car park. But uh, so that is one of the options. Which option is that one? Well, it was one of the three that were chosen. I can't remember the exact numbers. I think that might have been option five, or uh, I think we ended up with... Okay, so I've got option one, relatively minor upgrading works to bring the protective structures up to uh, contemporary standards. Option two, removing the entire protective structure 10 metres inland, mm-hmm. which 52% of people voted for. And option three, replacing the existing human-made spurs with a rock wall. But what you need to understand is those community consultations didn't align to each option as in wholly in, in you know, option 152, option 2, thing, option 3, 30. It was a range of different factors about what do you value in the beach and what do you want to see. So do you value the groins? Do you, do you, do you value the car park? Do you value the, uh, the idea of a boulevard? Do you, you know, what, and, and so those So options, the majority of people voted to remove the car park and that's not one of the final options at all. So first, no, the, the, that, that wasn't, okay. It was, well, it was, a set, it was just, 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 to be, just to be clear, yeah. the, the, that wasn't the third option. So I think what you're reading is the staff recommendation and the actual final recommendation that we went with, which was one of the three options was to actually retreat landward up to 30 metres. Now under that option, that would remove the car park, potentially. Um, ultimately, we've got to remember what this is about. This is about protecting the town. Um, this is the Johnson Street Protection Works. So mm. it's it's a and 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 the idea that we're going to remove that car park and come back thirty meters um, was is is probably one of the more controversial options. But most people seem to be saying that's what they want, right? Well, I'm not I'm not so sure. That's not the way I read it. I I, I think it's not a case of like I said, mutually exclusive. It's about value statements. It's about whether or not you would like to see this or not. Now there was. Uh, it's hard to explain in a, in a two-minute interview, but uh, it's about whether you would be open to that, whether you would have that... Um, well, it sounds like a lot of people are open to that. Yeah, and look, and that's the way we went. So the staff recommendation didn't have that option in there, and councillors on the day chose to include that option. Why didn't council staff have that as an option? 
Well, um, from I guess from their point of view... Isn't that uh, what John Anderson's saying and what other people are saying? Well, it's about what's workable. You know, ultimately, you know... But if you ask community for feedback... Yeah. You make what they say workable because it's what they want. Well, you, that's what feedback is. Okay, sure. Well, you're, you're giving me a grilling here, so I'll, I'll respond. It's cool. Um, well, that's what I thought. But, but I'm trying was. to explain it to you. Maybe I'm not sure. doing a very good job. But there are three options now for further analysis, and that's yeah. where we're up to. Yeah, so, but you councillors on the day had to put that in, as an option. What I'm asking you is about the council staff and the way they operate, the comments that John Anderson... Uh, said, let's just move on. I want to ask you about the, can you proceed with this without a coastal management plan, which is much delayed. We've been waiting for years and years and years. Hmm. Are we going to see a coastal management plan in place by the end of the next council? Uh, absolutely. We we are very hopeful that that'll be delivered next year. And you can proceed And just with to be this? clear, it was through no fault of our own. We did all of the work required uh, for that coastal zone management plan under the last Well, um, it was declined by the state government, by the planning minister, well, it was, but that was they, a they told us They told us we had a six-month window under the old legislation to get that plan in. We did our part. We put it before the minister, uh, and basically they, they fluffed their lines, and they didn't put it through. They, but they rejected they had, it. They, had, they didn't even... They just said that we're not going to do it. Sorry. Um, but that was a... No, how many years ago was that? That was a number years ago now wasn't it um no that was probably 18 months ago that was when the new when the legislation changed we had that six month window we got okay. everything done and and it came back to us and we haven't got we haven't finalized well it no yet, they we? basically they had that we got it in on time and then they just basically sat on it they didn't there was a whole heap of things when gabrielle was in charge of that department that just got shelved and didn't get dealt with and so we we got told one thing and were delivered another but was it wasn't it rejected because we didn't look at the whole of um the coast no that's line? not that's not true but what is true is that there is a new set of legislation and since that came out we've just basically rolled up our sleeves took it on the chin in terms of what we thought was a bit of um well, gross ineptness from the state government in that particular instance. Um, and we just got on with the job of delivering under the new legislation uh, what we need to, which is a coastal management plan for the entire uh, Byron Shire. And not just for that bit of beach? Not just for, for that. Well, it, we've split it. It's, it's, it's split up into different sections where you do your different studies. And But, but ultimately, um, we are on track to deliver that next year. Great. Look, there's lots to cover, Michael. It's uh, seven minutes to ten on your local station, Bay FM. I'm with uh, Interim Mayor Michael Lyon. Just from that last council meeting, I understand you want to give us an update on the MOs and what came out of that last meeting? Yes, yeah, so we have been pushing for, since probably last year, when there was a staff recommendation to um, remove the pathway for MOs and CTs, um, to have either secondary dwellings or, multiple, uh, or, or dual occupancies, um, and, and or for any new MOs and CTs in the Shire. And, and we, we didn't accept that, and we have been fighting hard to have those pathways opened up because we do have a housing emergency and we want to provide opportunities for people in rural areas to, to have increased dwellings so that, for example, members of their family who can't afford to live elsewhere can um, be allowed to, to build a second house on some of these MOs. So rather than relying on the strict um, rules that are in place around dwelling entitlements on the on the map on the MO map, which wasn't really based on on a site specific analysis. What we want to do is remove that 
uh, and, and have it based on a site-specific analysis so that anyone uh, who's got the consent of the, the, the rest of their people and their MO wants to put in a, or a CT, wants to put in a, a secondary dwelling or a dual lock, uh, they can do that and it will be assessed on its merits on that land. And that's hope, what we're hoping that will do is, is provide uh, additional living opportunities in rural areas for people's families uh, uh, to, to, so they don't have to move out of the Shire, which is obviously uh, something which has been happening uh, a lot uh, over the last few years, and it's something we're working very hard to address. And where's that at? It's on hold now, I presume, because we're in caretaker mode. That's for the next council. Well, it's... it's to see through. Well, ultimately, in terms of when it gets signed off, but what we have done is um, a, a resolved to put in a planning proposal to change the rules so that that uh, can happen. So that will happen now without any further sign-off, so that will go to the state government. Uh, what we've also done is made it very clear that anyone who's got existing entitlements on MOs and CTs, uh, that they can uh, lodge an application and that staff will now deal with that. So when we go back uh, sort of in time a year ago, staff weren't really accepting those applications and there wasn't a defined pathway for people. But we thought that there was a, a pathway and that's what's been created so that now if you do have that potential, uh, you can lodge an application today, a DA app application today um, for a secondary dwelling mm. uh, or a dual lock on an MO or CT uh, and it will be assessed on its merits. Great. And just briefly, unauthorised dwellings policy has been shelved? Yes, so that's looking, and, and thankfully so, because we are in a housing emergency. Um, and that was that was something which took us all a bit by surprise when, um, and I, did, I didn't vote for that when it first happened, um, probably, I don't know when that was, uh, 12 months ago now. Uh, perhaps longer, um, which was to create this this set of pathways and a policy to deal with the the you know um, the unauthorized dwellings uh, in the Shire, and it came out of, from the bushfires and all of the the the, the threat of litigation if mm. if we had unapproved dwellings and, and what that could mean. Um, but I didn't vote for it at the time, and I'm, I'm grateful that we've actually repealed that and that that's gone away. I think the way that that was dealt with um, by staff was unfortunate at the time. Um, a series of letters went out to residents in Maynard, caused a lot of angst, uh, in, in obviously mm. when we were in a housing crisis, and, mm. and that just added to the pressure, and it was, it was really unfortunate uh, and ill-advised, and I'm, I'm grateful that, that that has now just been removed from the books. Mm. Just back to staff, one last point from what John Anderson had to say. Do you think reform is needed of council staff and the way council works? Honestly, I, I don't. And, and the ideas that he puts forward about, um, you know, jumping in and, and removing a whole heap of staff. I mean, he does, firstly, you don't have the power to do that. You have the power to remove the general manager and that's about it. Um, secondly, I think there's always room for improvement. Absolutely. So whether you're talking about um, areas, for example, in compliance, I think that we can do a lot better. Dogs off leash, dogs on beaches that shouldn't mm. be there. Um, I think that that's a resource issue. And this is, again, where it comes down to the fact that we need more money in council to be able to do these mm. things. Um, you know, just to, and just to fact check a couple of things. Firstly, he suggested that the bypass blew out from 10.5 million to 27 million. It's completely uh, incorrect. The bypass original budget was 24 million, and it did blow out uh, by about 1.75 million to 25.75 million. So it was about a 10% exceedance. Uh, and I think that the reasons for that have been well documented in terms of the protest action, the referral ultimately that wasn't required um, for the snail. 
which thankfully has been found living uh, all over the swamp, which is which is great news. Um, so yeah, that was completely uh, inaccurate, and I think that sort of pervades his whole spiel. Really, is that is he's not really across it. He said it himself he doesn't want to do it. I mean, if you want someone in the mayor role of mayor and as councillor, you want someone who wants to do it. You want somebody who wants to serve their community. You want someone who knows how to empower staff, not belittle them and threaten their jobs. You need to be able to work with people. I mean, staff are not the enemy here, and this is the old style of thinking, the old guard green thinking, the John Anderson thinking, that the staff are the enemy and that somehow you're going to get um, better results by threatening them and cajoling them and not working with them. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the worst, sorry, I just have to finish. In terms of the worst council, this is the only council I've seen in 20 plus years that's actually managed to fix some roads. We've taken the brave decision to raise rates. We've had great relationships with state government and funding bodies so that we've been able to bring money into the Shire, spend it on roads, spend it on improvements. We built the bypass road, which has been a fantastic success. I would hate to imagine what driving in here this morning would have been like without that bypass road. Um, and so to, to say that we're the worst council ever, I think is is um, completely inaccurate. I think we've done a fantastic job of managing our staffing issues, of working with staff, empowering staff and getting good results, working with different levels of government and getting mm. funding on the ground to deliver services that our community expects. Mm. Uh, hold on there, Michael. Michael Lyon, the interim mayor, is with us here at Bay FM where it's just gone 10am. There's still quite a bit to talk about. I'll keep him for another 10 minutes if that's okay. Uh, Michael, I've had a couple of texters. I've had uh, Elaine say that I think the best way to save our beaches is to sink a few stripped back warships off the coast to make reefs. Um, I had Susie say, sadly, most things that John had to say about council staff, councillors and procedures were spot on in my experience of extensive stressful dealings with council. And you too can give us your thoughts on our text line 0437-341-119 or the Bay FM Facebook page. Well, Michael Lyon, a few more questions. I want you to um, tell us your... A new policy on paid parking. You're suggesting that we do extend it to the other villages across the Shire and get rid of the $55 fee for local residents. Absolutely. I think it's really important that we uh, make our visitors, our tourists, pay their fair share towards our infrastructure. All indications are that we're going to see massive growth in tourism to the Shire. Um, and, And almost everyone benefits from that. Your Businesses benefit, your employees benefit, uh, the state government benefits from, and the federal government benefits from GST revenue. But the one organisation that doesn't benefit mm. is, is council. Um, we, we foot the bill for all the infrastructure. So absolutely, I, I believe in making tourists pay their fair share. Um, and honestly, given that uh, to do this type of policy, is, is it's not going to be necessarily super popular. Uh, what you would effectively be doing if you, for example, put pay parking in Mullumbimby and Brunswick Heads, uh, is you're going to be impacting a lot of people that currently don't pay a parking charge because they don't go to Byron. Um, and I think that's a great tragedy that that's one of the reasons people don't go to Byron. So actually, I think that this will actually promote local visitation from people that that, uh, will be getting a free parking uh, charge. It would mean that there's no impediment to them to to charging tourists that visit our hinterland towns. 
Um, and it also means that they would be able to, uh, you know, not feel like they have to pay for a parking permit in order to mm. go to Byron again. So, so you think people in Bangalore, Mullum and Bruns will support this? Uh, look, my conversation, absolutely, my conversations with people that aren't necessarily businesses, I grant you, um, but, but but people that live in those towns um, and are around those towns um, is broadly uh, are in favour um, of of making visitors pay and we know that parking pay parking even just by its implementation frees up parking spaces because people are more likely to stick to the time limits for whatever reason psychologically mm. that's what happens mm. um, so that it will it will help on the congestion which is the the entire point of of pay parking in theory um, so if you can and look you know i don't, I don't make any bones about it um, it is a revenue raising measure absolutely well, John Anderson made the point. But it needs there. to be sorry, but it needs to be justified by congestion, and we can do that. So, so tell us about that, because I understand that in legislation, paid parking is to do with parking management, not about revenue. No, that, well, that's absolutely correct. It is about parking management. That's that's the, what you need to be able to show. That but you, you've just said you're doing this because we need more money. Well, it's well, absolutely. I mean, the, the fact that you are going to be able to get more money out of it is 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 absolutely gold i mean you've got to find a way to make the business of council sustainable but the main reason for paid parking is management it's not to raise revenue that's right and so if you can't justify it on congestion grounds if there isn't a reason to put it in otherwise then you can't do it okay so as long as you can as long as you can then i'm gonna make no bones about it i i am grateful i'm okay grateful i don't want there to be parking congestion but there is that's the reality uh if you go to brunswick heads pretty much year round uh you know it's 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 very hard to find a park mullumbimby is almost impossible but what we're trying to do here, what I'm trying to do here, is get ahead of the game. We know visitation is going to increase out of sight. That's all of the indications that are of that. So we need to be prepared for that. We need to have a business model that actually is going to cover the costs of council that uh, are created by all of these visitors. Now, we're not allowed to implement a bed tax, though we will keep pushing. Absolutely, I will keep pushing for a bed tax uh, and a tourism levy. But at this stage, state government have made it very clear that we will not be getting those measures in place. We have pay parking. Um, I absolutely believe in making it free for locals, uh, and I think it's a great policy. Uh, it's good for the finances, and it means we can we can continue with the Im improvements that we've seen. I mean, the, the rail corridor opening that you saw, the park, it's beautiful, connecting all the spaces with the new infrastructure in town, a very friendly, inviting space paid for by pay parking. Mm, well, a few more quick issues. You mentioned the rail corridor. Rail trail, we haven't heard your position on that. There's been a lot to do in this campaign and there is some outstanding uh, queries on social media that I'm yet to get to, including the rail trail. So let this be a precursor to, to me answering those. It's an important issue. It's, it is an important issue. It's, it's, it's not as important as, as other issues like the housing emergency. Um, but it's it's important to state a clear position. So my position is uh, we've come a long way on this idea of the train in this last five years, a lot further than people thought we would. Um, however, time is sort of ticking and it is running out. I think if we can't get uh, some kind of certainty, particularly between, say, Mullum and Byron um, and, and maybe towards Bangalore, in the next 12 months, if we can't get... Uh, some kind of uh, idea that there is going to be a funding source and a capability to bring this train back uh, in some form, whether it's a light rail or not. And I think look, the forward projections in terms of visitation will justify it. Um, but 
in terms of the next 12 months, if I can't see an improvement in the prospects for the rail, um, then I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, and I've said this to proponents of the rail trail, and I've said this to people on, that are on the other side in terms of the train uh, lobby, that they've got 12 months. I will work hard in that 12 months to see if we can get something happening, particularly between Mullum and Byron. I think it would be fantastic to get a light rail between Mullum and Byron, but if we can't see any light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, uh, then, then I'm then I'm happy to say that I'll be looking at what we can do uh, on the rail trail side of things. Okay, film productions. Last time we had you on, uh, the whole saga over um, the filming of Love Island up in Federal. They were given 30 days. They're still filming. Can you give us an update on what the heck's going on there? They've been there more than two months. I understand. Yeah, look, it's very disappointing and it's it's really disappointing with what the state government's talking about, which is just overriding any council consideration at all and, and, um, and you know, basically opening us up for, for any kind of production at all. And, and um, it's, it's one of those ways where, unfortunately, council is, is somewhat powerless to, to influence. But I will be following up on the Love Island um, situation uh, because it was very clear that they had a 30-day window and if that's been exceeded then that needs to be brought to account well i understand filming's finishing on the 12th but they've been there for over two months now so the start date of that 30 days must have been um put forward from the actual starting day of filming well, I'll, I'll have to look at the detail but filming it, it relates to the, the actual it should be overall shouldn't it well, I think it, if you're going to have a, a rule that you need something that's not going to be able to be exploited, which it seems like this has been. Mm. Just tell us briefly, because people won't know about this policy that the state government slipped in last week, which proposes to remove the SEP for 30-day requirement that already being ignored uh, by Love Island, uh, ITV Studios Production. Filmmaker Tess Hall, whom we've had on this program, Michael, she... It said to me, it's obvious that the Department of Planning is working with Screen New South Wales and the industry to just continue treating the Byron Shire like it's an open-cut mine for content. It's mind-boggling that they cannot manage to deliver their promised consultation with all the North Coast councils to review the LGA filming protocol and just slip this one through under the banner of fun. And that was the headline of the media release, Red Tape Slashed for More Fun food, festivals and filming. Yeah, it's disappointing. I think when you're talking about things like this, they need to be done in consultation with your local community. A lot of work was done on that previous film protocol to balance the needs of your community and your film industry. Uh, so to talk about just scrapping all of that and, and opening it up, I think it's a great quote, an open cut mind for content. Um, it's very disappointing. Unfo what can we do about well, it? I don't, I don't know if there's going to be much we can do from it to be... Frank. And uh, slipped in on the eve of council elections. Yeah, so I mean, we, it's not something we can deal with now, uh, but it is something that if we want to uh, rally our community and get some sort of um, collective actions, a, a petition uh, and, and, and lobbying of the relevant ministers, that's something that we can do. Um, it's, it's, it's certainly not something we can do in the next four weeks, mm. but um, I don't agree that we should be allowed to just have open slather. Uh, we need that consultation with our community about what's appropriate. And I do think it's appropriate that some filming is allowed and that there are parameters for that, um, but, but not open slather. Mm. Once again, I want to put out a call to our local MLA, Ben Franklin, who lives in the Shire. I've invited him onto this program on numerous occasions 
uh, without much success. So as the only member of this uh, state government who lives in the Shire, I would dearly like to ask many of these questions to him. It's about accountability and it's been very hard to get anyone from the state government onto um, our station to answer questions of our local community. I'm with Michael Lyon. Michael Lyon, it is uh, 13 minutes past 10. A couple of questions left just on the election. It's coming up on the 4th of uh, December. There are nine mayoral candidates. There are seven groups, um, altogether 34 candidates I, I counted. Preferences. Tell me about this deal that a bunch of you independent mayoral candidates have made in the past week. Uh, so there's a group of us in the centre that have cross-preferenced each other. Uh, so you're talking about um, myself and the Byron Independents, uh, Bruce Clark and, and his action group, uh, Azrin Pugh and, and the Labor team, and Mark Swivel and the Mark Swivel team. Uh, we, we all have each other in, in, in our top four, if you like, as a, as a, as a cross-preference deal. Um, and, and, but ultimately, preferences are up to the voter. Um, and that's what I'll be promoting, uh, is that you choose who you want first, you choose who you want second, and you choose who you want last. Um, whoever you really don't want in just doesn't need to be on the, on the ballot at all. But optional preferential means that you can choose one or you can choose many. Mm. Uh, we are suge suggesting that it would be good if the one of us four, you know, rather than the people that are outside that four, we are suggesting one of those four uh, would be a better choice um, than the others. And that's ultimately in terms of the Merrill uh, and that we're backing those teams. So we've all had a look at each other's teams and we've thought that these are not necessarily individuals. There are some individuals that I can say that I really rate. Uh, I rate Alan Hunter uh, as an individual, as a counsellor, um, for what he brings. He's very sound when it comes to financial management. Uh, and I've really appreciated my dialogue with Alan uh, over the five years on council. Kate Curry. Kate Curry uh, represents a section of our community, and I think you need to represent all of your community. Uh, and Kate has been very good at representing the people in our community that are concerned that the Byron is developing too fast, that there is overdevelopment. So Kate has brought that um, fearlessly, uh, and uh, I respect Kate's input as well. Yet she's and not I, part of this preferencing team. This well, preferencing deal. No, no, she's not. Um, but you know, it's it's ultimately you you know you you um, people will put Kate after those four. So um, you know they they still it's not, it's just that we have a top four. Mm. Um, but again, I just say it's up to the voter to choose sure. who they think is best. Sure. First, second, third, fourth. It's completely their decision. They do not have to follow how to vote card. That is entirely their choice. This is just an indication that we've agreed. Uh, ultimately, it probably um, it really relates about uh, who we think are the most dangerous. Um, and team. who are they? Duncan Day is coming on the program next week. Is this about effectively keeping Duncan Day from winning the mayoral race? Well, it's it's about indicating that we don't think Duncan is a very good choice for mayor, and I don't really like to criticise. And I'm not going to go into the detail of that. People can make their own choices of that, but we don't think that Duncan Day led. Byronshire Council would be a good thing. We think it would be a step backwards. And there was a time when the old guard Greens, you, you know, your Ian Cohens and the like, were 
useful in terms of uh, addressing the development issues that you had in the Shire, uh, in terms of setting the scene for a green future. And I think that those that those times in the past uh, were necessary because it was a new course to chart a green course. But we've done great green things on this council and we've had good relations with staff. And it's essential if you want to get things done that you have a good working relationship with staff and with state government and that you have a very positive, empowering culture in your, in your workforce. Um, and we think that the, the Greens ticket, um, possibly Sarah aside, um, are divisive. And they, uh, they uh, perceive staff as the enemy and they treat them as the enemy. And I think that that is really, really dangerous. And we've seen that division uh, in the ticket. I think they've lost you know, another candidate out of their ticket. And uh, it, for me, it, it's sort of really, it, it, it's not the time for that type of politics. Sure, we'll get Duncan to respond to all of this uh, next week. But this deal effectively means one of you will win the mayoral race, will become mayor, and not Duncan or not Kate, unless the majority of voters vote for one of the others. Because they won't be getting your second votes, right? Well, ultimately, it's up to the people to decide. Well, who that's they if want. they vote individually, right? And not for. Yeah, the but, but, if they, but if they follow their ticket, then they are following what we're indicating, we think, is sensible for the future of the Shire. I mean, I want to be led by a decent mayor that I think is going to embrace and empower our community uh, and have good working relationships with people at all levels of government. And so that's, that's why I've um, joined in on that. And, and it's not to say that um, certainly on individual cases, like I said, like Alan, uh, who I rate highly, um, or, or Kate... Um, that they're not good individual councillors, but we're, we're talking about uh, the future of the Shire and um, we've made that indication. Ultimately, it's up to the people. But just finally, it, this does effectively mean that one of you four will probably no, become mayor. No, it doesn't, and that's the thing. People need to understand that the default position in this Shire is to vote green, and there's a lot of people that vote green without thinking, without engaging, and without realising that... But so isn't that going to happen again? Well, this is, this is the point. This is why for, for us uh, and for me personally, I, I engage. It's why I'm on the phone all the time. It's why I'm out there talking to people all the time because I want people to understand before they make their decision. I want people to know that this Green Council, which has been criticised fiercely by the Echo uh, and by John Anderson, sure. But other than that, you know, talk to people in the community that have dealt with us. Talk to... Did you say this Green Council... Well, it has been a Green-led council, ultimately. There were four Greens on this council, uh, Simon, myself, Sarah and Jeanette. Mm. Now, Jeanette and I have, have mm. left the party. Mm. Um, Simon is, you know, is, is endorsing, uh, is not endorsing Duncan and the Greens. Let me just say that. We will yet to see who Simon is endorsing. Um, but we might ask him. We, maybe you should. But ultimately, I want people to know the truth about what we've done. I want people to, to understand that we have built more roads in this Shire than ever before. We have spent, we have re received over $80 million in grant funding from state government uh, in, the, in the last five years. Okay, Michael. Um, I'll just get you to tell people about the voting. I understand pre-poll voting begins soon, does it? Can you tell us about that? You don't need to actually go on the day to vote. You can vote. You can register online for iVote. You can register online for iVote. Uh, Pre-poll starts in two weeks Yeah, uh, at a couple of locations. Uh, so you have, um, I think it's six days a week you can go to pre-poll. 
um, in that two weeks prior to the election, or you can go on, on election day where there's, I think, 10 or 12 booths around the Shire. So, All right. We'll talk a lot more about the election and how it actually works in the coming weeks. Wish you all the best, Interim Mayor Michael Lyon. Thank you for your time this morning. Thanks, Fernando. Mm-hmm.